What up, what up, what's going on, good people? It's your boy, Daydrian. This is the A Different Perspective podcast. Um, so much to talk about today, but I'm going a different route because I have some special guests here. I have the legends in my mind, uh, Josh and Rasheed Khan, here to talk about, you know, life in general, business, faith in God, and, you know, wherever else the conversation takes us. So go ahead and introduce yourselves. Well, thanks for having us. I am Josh Khan. I am Rashid Khan. Feel honored to be here with the legendary Daydream. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Um, I, I know that y'all are only, only here for the weekend, and I appreciate y'all just coming by to say, hey, how are things going? And um, we're just going to dive right in. Um, so just, just give a quick background of, about you two. Let's start with you, Josh. Great. So born and raised in New Jersey, uh, South Jersey, uh, not too far from Philadelphia, about 25 minutes from Philly. And um, grew up just me and my brother, uh, two parents, and uh, yeah, it was a loving Christian household. Um, we grew up uh, what I would probably consider, uh, you know, paycheck to paycheck, maybe lower middle class, if you call it. We had everything we needed. Maybe not everything necessarily we, we wanted, but we had the most important things. We had love in the household. Um, you know, parents are going on a 40-year uh, uh, marriage. This November will be 40 years. Um, I'm 36 years old, and so we, we grew up with a, uh, learning a strong work ethic at an early age. Um, but our parents uh, really also introduced us to what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, which really framed up our perspective on life and on the world and relationships and uh, really on uh, success as well. So, Yeah, and um, yeah, but again, for myself, same thing, um, you know, Rashid, thir- 38 years old, and, um, you know, it's been really awesome, just like what Josh was saying, uh, with being raised in the Christian household. Uh, our parents did a great job at not just bringing us to church or telling us what to believe, but actually introducing us to Jesus and, um, you know, us really following Him. And uh, when it comes to work ethic, like Josh talked about, uh, they've also been really big on um, going after your God-given dreams. And so uh, we have so many great stories uh, just over the years of seeing our parents go after their dreams uh, and, and, you know, that inspiring us to continue to be a blessing to, um, you know, our future families and what we want to do. And, and, and uh, we have a philosophy, too, of like knowing that what we're doing today is seed for the future. And so over the years, it, it's not about being idle or sitting around. It's about, hey, like, how can we work together um, what can we do for the future? Uh, we're always dreaming, always believing the best, and following God in that matter. And um, and He's given those God-given dreams, which is awesome. So, pretty good, man. That that was awesome. Uh, so my first question is, and I'll I'll start with you, Rashid, on this one. Um, so how was it? How was it like being a a big brother in the household? Hey, you know it's it's all true what they say um, that you're the the pioneer, you're the, the trial one, and uh, yeah, you just uh, you, you you take the hits first and um, you make the way for uh, the, you know uh, my brother coming through. We we have a uh, philosophy too of um, we we never really fight. Uh, we, you know we're truly best friends, and uh, it actually I remember the moment where we were probably like, maybe, I don't know, I think like six or seven, and we just, we were getting in trouble because we were fighting. And so we were like, why don't we do this? Why don't we just not fight, have each other's backs, and be a team here? 
And uh, so um, ever since then, I mean, even now at 38 and 36 years old, uh, we've always said it's uh, us against the world. So, Dude, and I, I asked that question because I'm a, I'm a baby boy, so. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I survived a, a lot of the, the lickings that the older brothers got. Yeah. So um, that's good. So. When was y'all's first encounter with God on your own? I know, I know, in, in families, you know, they tell you to go to church or they take you to church, but you're not understanding as a child. So, growing up, what was the encounter? What was that moment to realize that when it was nobody else but God? Yeah, great question. Um, I think for me, you know, being raised in a Christian home, um, the biggest example that I saw was with my parents. Um, not only their relationship with God, but the love they had for each other. You know, I think many times it could be difficult if kids are growing up and they're hearing about this loving God and this this loving Savior, this loving Father, from a parents who are constantly not showing love for each other. Uh, I think that the best example we can all be is, is loving each other, loving our neighbors, you know. Um, sometimes the only Jesus people will see is, you know, their example through you. And so I grew up understanding uh, the concepts of a loving God, um, grew up in the Word, you know, with different Bible stories and, and loving reading the Bible, going to church, um, and no one's perfect, but I realized that, okay, at some point, this didn't just have to be about my parents' faith, this didn't just have to be about, you know, people that were saying I was seeing in church. I said to my, I really prayed, said, Lord, if you're real, um, I want to know you for myself. I want this relationship for myself, you know, because we believe that this isn't just a religion. It's not just, you know, what we read in the Bible is not just historical figures or historical characters, but there is a relationship that can be had here. And why would I not, if it was possible to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, why would I not want to pursue that or at least get to know him for myself? And so uh, I can probably confidently say it was like I was seven or eight years old where I wanted to start that relationship with Jesus, but it was at 15 or 16 years old where I had to make that commitment to actually, in light of and in view of with all my friends, I had to actually make a commitment to choose him over other, you know, opportunities that were presented to me as a teenager so yeah i have uh similar in the sense that yeah, i was probably around seven or eight or so and um when i said the prayer of salvation and um really understood it better in high school i remember when all my friends were going crazy um and i was at i was like 15 16 years old and uh, i had this encounter with the lord where i heard his voice for the first time and I found myself spending my summers going into junior year of high school, um, just spending time in the secret place of really knowing what that means to pray and hear from God. Um, and we saw a lot of great um, miracles and God moving in, in an awesome way growing up. However, uh, I remember in college, I just felt like I had all these questions. And like, why do I believe in God? Why do we believe the Bible is what it, what we say it is, right? Um, all of those things. And, and uh, at the time, I kind of condemned myself. I'm like, why am I doubting what I have grew up in? And I realized later that the best teachers are the ones that ask the best questions. And it was really the Lord taking me through a, a new foundation 
to be able to understand why I believe what I believe. I ended up doing a comparative uh, religion study and looked at all the different religions, all the different belief systems, and um, you know, and and why do people believe what they believe? And uh, a couple things happened. Christianity was the only one where God came to man, not us going to God. It was the only thing that made sense um, after looking at everything. But then I still had uh, an encounter with the Lord that where it was still a revelation. Um, however, I'll say one more thing with that. Um, just like when you are in a relationship with someone, it could be a marriage or whatever, um, there are times where things are going really well, things could be rocky, things could be up and down, but then there's almost like a revival that takes place. And, and it could be 10, 15, 20 years into the marriage, and then you're like, whoa, like I love you more now than I ever did before. And I mean, I, I'm saying that from just observation of marriages. I'm not married, but um, but from <laughs> that perspective, and to see that in my relationship with the Lord. So I, the reason why I say that is because um, you know, 30 years of really walking with the Lord. Uh, it, I mean, it was still probably about five years ago. I had an, another new revival, and that was a revival of first love, and uh, where, um, like in Genesis chapter 15, uh, the Lord tells Abraham. Um, do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. And I realized that although I had dreams, I had goals, I had things that God told me to do, um, he became my reward. Everything else was gravy. Everything else was just to honor him. But he was everything. That's good. Look, how do I, now I see where you get it from, John. Like, he, he speaks and it's like, man, that makes a lot of sense. I will share a little bit. Um, so I grew up in the church as well, but we were always, in a sense, forced. But it, it was never interesting. Like, you know, you hear the stories about David and Goliath, but you don't hear the background of why Saul was actually trying to kill David. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. or the story of um, who else? I'm trying to think of. Or Samson and Delilah. Like, you hear that, you know, Samson was this strong guy and he fell in love with a woman, but you don't hear the backdrop of it wasn't a woman issue, it was a lust issue. Mm. And so you don't learn that as a child. You're just thinking like, why are we talking about Samson and Delilah? Why are we talking about David and Goliath? <laughs> right. And they formulate so many sermons into these as well. Like it doesn't make sense at seven or eight. Right. But now um, I'm 40 now and it's like, well, even years back then, it's like now it makes sense as to why, you know, things happen. Like I know um, for me, went to church so much that once I joined the Navy, I, um, no lie, I walked in this church because I was so accustomed to going to church. And I was like, no one's making me be here. I don't have to be here. And I walked out. Yeah. Like, but then it was years later when I had an encounter to where, like, I needed needed Christ in my life. I will give a test of it. It was, it was my wife because she was at a church that had a solid foundation, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, that, that made me want to change. Mm. Like, it wasn't like I did it just because I wanted to do it. Like, no, it was a reason because if I was going to marry my wife, I had to make the changes in my life mm. internally to in order to be all that she needs me to be as far as a husband, as far as leading. You know, even also, um, you know, my grandparents, they were married for 69 years. And a lot of people think that, oh, that's phenomenal. That's wonderful. Yeah. But how many years did they get along? It's the question. Um, I know with being around your parents, they get along. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get along well. Yeah. Um, they love each other. Um, your mother is the firecracker, and your dad is just laid back. Like I love <laughs> he just you know, everything she said. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, 
my next question is, um, so I know you all guys are in business, um, and y'all are taking me on this journey with you all. So Josh, tell me a little about your business journey. Absolutely. Well, I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey. I was originally biology pre-med. I was going to be a heart surgeon. And it was, you know, kind of the track that I was just on, I don't know, just from childhood growing up. My my dad has a degree in medicine. My grandfather was a doctor for years and years. Um, you know, we saw the impact he made on the community in, in the city of Camden, New Jersey. Um, had a family practice that was there for years and would it would really build solid relationships with his patients and um, he would even do house calls and care for people in the, in the community of Camden who couldn't afford health care and when he passed away you know the mayor named the street after him that his practice was on um, but I also saw that you know he worked until he passed away right worked up in, in to his 80s and so even though he loved doing what he was doing I know that he loved his family even more and had he you know maybe even taking care of his finances even better um, or had other financial income and and other options, he probably would have um, maybe chose to retire a little bit sooner. So we saw that, okay, I always wanted to make an impact, but um, I also wanted to be able to have the time, the financial independence and the freedom, the options to spend the time with my family, you know, because I, I figured, you know, what good is it to make a ton of money with, if you can't, spend the time with the people that you love. And at that point too, you know, in my early 20s, I knew people that had, you know, a lot of money but no time. <laughs> and I knew people with a lot of time but no money, <laughs> right? Um, but I was looking for the balance of the two, all right? I was looking for options in my life where I could have both time and money so that I could do what I was, I felt I was called to do, what God was calling me to do without the hindrance of, oh, I would spend more ministry time, but I got to go to work on Monday. Or, you know, I would want to give more in the offering, but I'm tithing on a small amount as opposed to tithing on a larger amount. Um, and it, I think it's all about where your heart is and, and your purpose and your why. So I was never drawn to business just because of it being a business. It was my why that drove me, right? It was, okay, if I want to create a lifestyle where I can actually live off of my values, um, I need more options in my life because like my values were family, God, um, wanting to serve other people and actually wanted to pursue the gifts and talents I believe God placed inside of me, which is music and a lot of other things. But if you looked at my calendar when I started, my calendar didn't reflect my values because I was just going to work a job day in and day out right? So I was actually spending more time doing the things that I felt I actually wasn't called to do because I was chasing a paycheck. And I had to ask myself, all right, what makes more sense to my heart and to my values? Should I continue to just chase a paycheck for the heck of it? Or should I actually pursue what I feel God is calling me to do? Um, But we all got to pay the bills, right? So I had no other options. And I just believe that there were some divine interactions and encounters where I met the right people at the right time who they were living the way that I was seeking to live, right? They actually had their priorities in alignment as well. You know, they put God first, they put their family first, and they actually built enough assets and businesses to be able to provide time and money and financial freedom for their families. And that's what I wanted. And it was 
the who, that connection with them, um, that opened up the door for me to be able to pursue that myself. So had I not had a person come into my life to help me, I still to this day don't, I probably still would be spinning my wheels, trying to figure stuff out, trying to figure out what to do. I might have been working a job and been frustrated, right, which unfortunately, so many people in the workplace are frustrated. And I think career frustration many a times comes because it's unmet expectations, right? It's you think that a certain job is going to give you and satisfy your heart, whereas only your own values and dreams and passions are going to be what satisfies you, right? So if you, the longer you spend not doing what you're passionate about, the more frustrated you're going to be, right? That's why some people, they may not be making the money they want to make, but they're actually doing what they're passionate about at their job and they're happy. But I think I had to ask myself, am I spending every day waking up in the morning passionate and excited about life, doing exactly what I want to do, or do I feel stuck? Do I feel like the circumstances of my life has caused me to settle and just do what I feel like what was handed to me, or am I actually taking a step out and you know, people, entrepreneurs came into my life that inspired me to step outside of my comfort zone, step outside the box, and actually challenge myself to pursue business, um, which ended up, you know, teaching me a lot of different skill sets that I needed to really, you know, hone in on, um, which is what led to, you know, the financial freedom and the financial independence. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, like you, you two have retired your parents, correct? We have had the opportunity to do that. It's been a, it was a blessing. Um, you know, it was always a dream of ours to be able to, to give back to our parents for the sacrifices they made for us. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it's always so funny because whenever you decide to, to step out the pack, start a business or do something outside of the norm, um, you have those who love you and those who support you and those who don't. And I think that my parents always supported us. Um, but you know, my mom was probably the most hesitant at first when we went into business because she just was that, you know, that track mind of go to school, get an education, get a good job, work forever and, you know, retire when you're 75 or 80 years old. And, um, my dad was a little more like, yeah, like pursue, but once they understood our passion and our vision with it, um, you know, they were huge supporters for us and anybody that wants to start something on their own or has an entrepreneur edge or they, they want to actually build something. It's going to take work. You know, it's not easy. But if you stick with it, it's worth it. And it's actually going to end up blessing more people than you realize, right? The fact that we've been able to retire them and we're now, you know, putting together plans to build them their dream home, custom home, send them on trips that they've always wanted to go on. We wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, had we not you know, done some other things outside of our day-to-day jobs and, and built a business. So, so we're excited about it. That is phenomenal. Um, that's a goal of mine too. Um, just um, I want to say maybe last week, um, Sophia and I we were discussing how you know when we go on vacation, we don't just want to take a week or two weeks. We want to take like a month yes. on vacation, get away from everybody, everything, just us and the children. And um, you know, there, there's no rule. And even you know, with me being in business with you all as well, um, learning to just challenge people differently. And I always related back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said things that was radical. That was like, it was an attention grabber. For me, um, when I have conversations with people, my, my, my question is, who told you you have to retire at 67? And they're like, I mean, right. by, the time, by the time you do retire, it might be 70. Like, <laughs> right. but, but who told you you had to? If there is a way for you to retire in five, 
10 years from the, uh, from now, like, go for it. Don't, you know, don't let what um, I would say the society or the economy says, this is when you can retire. No, there's no rule that says you have to retire. Right. Um, and it all, it all depends, too, to your point. It's like um, I had to change who I was associating myself with. You know, because if you hang out with basketball players, you're probably going to talk about basketball all the time and you're probably going to play a lot and you're probably going to get better as a basketball player. You know, if you hang out with musicians, you're going to talk music all the time. You're going to get better as a musician. Right. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in, in, the, in the same way, it's like when you hang out with successful people, you're going to start thinking the way they think and the success rubs off. Right. You're going to start applying what you're learning from that association so many a times it's the mentality that needs to change mm-hmm. um and and for me too i think we all go through that period of when you're pursuing something great in any area you have to pursue the ability to step outside your comfort zone and challenge yourself and i think you know sometimes many people aren't you know if they're not comfortable in a certain crowd they just pull back to their comfort zone but i challenge you to be able to you know why not meet more people Meet different people, right? Why not step outside your comfort zone and meet, meet people outside of your industry, meet people outside of your race, meet people outside of your age, develop relationships with people outside of the norm and see where those relationships take you, right? They may be able to open the doors for you you never thought was possible, but when you shrink back and hide in your own circles, you're limiting yourself. So when you expand your association, you start to get more comfortable in certain rooms, Right, you get more comfortable in certain circles, and then you realize, wow, I, I belong here. And not only do I belong here in these rooms, I can actually set new rules at the table if I actually bring value to this room. Right, that's good. So, Rashid, I'm gonna ask you: um, Did you ever have a lack in confidence? Um, as because I, I would consider you a leader, you know, I don't think you're not a leader. But did you ever at a point, you know, lack confidence, or were you just a uh, just out there to be like, all right, this is what's going to be said, and boom. Yeah, I think that's normal. I feel like um, if if you have big dreams that you, like I said earlier, that are God-given dreams, he's going to give you those dreams that are going to be beyond what you can ever imagine. And um, that's where you're going to really need his help. And he wants you to be able to lean on him for those things. I know we've always had big dreams. Um, before we were in business, um, we always uh, came up with inventions and things we wanted to try to invent. And uh, we had some great ideas, like most of them were already invented. We just didn't know about them. And so <laughs> we were just trying to figure it all out. And I remember um, I studied abroad for a little bit when I was in college, and that's when my brother started in business. And when I came back in, in, uh, in the country, it, it was interesting because I was praying a lot and I just felt like, man, I, I felt called to do X, Y, and Z. I just didn't know how to really get there. And, uh, and then some of the projects that my brother was working on, um, I got excited about it. I knew they were answered prayers, but the comfort zone thing, like you mentioned, and then, you know, Josh alluded to it as well, but it was totally outside what I was used to, comfort zone. And, um, but there, there is, uh, there's a great book by John Maxwell um, where he talks about the, um, the levels of leadership and, and the laws of leadership, the, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And one of them is the law of the lid and how to increase your skill set to increase your level of leadership. 
And um, so for years, that's what I did. And I, t- I kept focusing on how I can personally grow. What do I need to read? What books do I need to read? Um, you talked about mentorship. It, it's, you know, learning from people who have fruit on the tree. Um, and so many times we try to duplicate the fruit on the tree that someone else has without actually asking what seed they sowed. And so I realized, okay, what seed did they sow for them to have that fruit? If I'm over here sowing pumpkin seed expecting for, you know, an apple orchard, it, it's, I'm way off course. And so, um, you know, and, and I'm used to, I guess, in my environment and people that I knew at that time, they were the people who were all talk but no actual action. You know, the ones that at the end of the year, Uh, They're cutting off all their friends and they're posting about that this is their new year, this is their year, um, and, you know, they're about their grind or about what the kids say about their bag and all that other stuff, and and they know where they're headed and everything, but then there's no actual action behind it, and it's all talk. And um, as I progress forward, I I love um, Matthew chapter 25 where it talks about uh, the parable of the good stewards and, um, you know, when how they were given um, talents based off of their ability. And if that's the case, then we can actually receive more as we increase our ability. And that's where I felt the Holy Spirit in the midst of, and here's the thing, if you're listening to this, um, you know, based off, you know, your, your listeners, whether you're working jobs or in business or in ministry, um, you know, God's given you um, something that my, my dad always calls a personal harvest field, mm-hmm. a place where you're meant to go work, but not just for the money, but to reach people there. And uh, when I got started in business, it was marketplace ministry in my mind. Like we're in the marketplace to minister. We're being able to, um, you know, take some of the resources and support causes that we really believed in and the church and advancing the kingdom. But on the other side of it, being a blessing to our family and, and, and everything that we're talking about. So just it, 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 but then the people that we're actually talking to and reaching. And so in the midst of all of that, no matter where you feel you're called to, no matter what level of confidence you have, uh, at the end of the day, the Lord wants us to lean on Him and trust Him. And that's where, yeah, I learned the laws of leadership and the law of the lid, increasing that, but there's this grace zone. And that is beyond just increasing your ability. Uh, I believe when you get past your comfort zone, um, and people can talk about the stretch zone, uh, but I believe there is a, uh, a grace zone. You know, and I think you want to avoid the stress zone, right? And when you're, you're hard on yourself, you're beating yourself up, you didn't do what you wanted to do. Um, but when you go into the grace zone, you're now tapping into an unlimited supply of um, what God can do with your life. That's great. That's, yeah. that's good. Um, I don't know. I can't even come back from that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, as, as you were talking, you are talking about, um, getting out of your comfort zone. Um, I oftentimes ask people like, like, it's, so it's things that pop in my head that make me think about things like down the line. Like, how can how can we be different as people? And one of the things is, is um, when you think about being different, is for instance, like when you're in the elevator, people are doing two things: either on their phone or looking at the numbers. Right. So I've always said, look up at the ceiling, like, like change your perspective. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, you know, everybody's doing what everybody else does is, is cool until you want to step out. 
face them face them and say hi you know right. just turn around the elevator yeah. right. just start singing right you know yeah. <laughs> right uh rap i don't know do yeah right, <laughs> right. Just drop, drop some bars it's you know? right. yeah. just, just something different start then, whistling right you know anything to change the mindset of like why is he whistling oh i can whistle too you know like it, it's yeah. just when you change the mindset it, you know it looks it looks better because we're all about helping people i know for me um I want to change the crab in the bucket mentality. Mm. Um, instead wow. of me being pulled down, I want to be the crab that's at the top to pull people out. Because mm. in, in business, you have that ability to do that for people who who are looking for something different, who are looking for something better. And, you know, sometimes it's just them meeting the right person. I know, like for you all, y'all, y'all met the right people, yeah. which in turn, I end up meeting you all. It. So it, it all works out. So um, my next question and I'll give this to you, Josh. So, um, what what would you say to yourself if you can go back in time, ten years from now? We'll say ten years from now. What would you tell your um, your former self ten years ago? That's a great question. Um, well, even just going back to your point too, because it, it, it ties in with the comfort zone thing. Um, first of all, if you're listening to this and, and you're you're wondering, like, okay. Maybe there is, is, you know, something else I want to do. There's something else I want to pursue. Um, you should know that you actually have more inside of you than you realize. You're capable of more than you can realize. And I believe when you increase your reality and your perception of the value you have, it's easier to step outside your comfort zone, right? Because I think, what is a comfort zone? A comfort zone is you being in an environment you think you belong because of who you think you are. But what if you're so much more? And I challenge you and I encourage you that you are more than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can do, right? You can have more than you think you can have, and you're actually closer to leveling up than you realize. And when you increase that self-worth and that self-image and that value, when you're proud of the person that's looking back at you in the mirror, what happens is you start to realize that the comfort zone is just an imagination, right? You actually can do so much more. And so I would tell myself 10 years ago that I would you know, tell him, hey, listen, if you step out in faith, God's going to be there with the grace to help you, right? And I think there are so many self-limiting beliefs that we all have about ourselves, and we just have to break down those walls, right? Um, Nothing conquers fear better than action. You know, action always overcomes fear. And the other thing I would tell myself, you know, the the 10-year-ago self, and I want to share with every listener here as well, is that you're actually going to be rewarded more for... um, your courage than you realize, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And that's what is actually going to stretch you outside your comfort zone. And typically everything you're probably looking for, it's outside your comfort zone, right? If you're listening to this and you're looking for that promotion at your job, it's probably outside of your comfort zone, right? If you're single and you're looking for a relationship, it's probably outside of your comfort zone because it's someone that you're afraid to talk to, right? If there is something that you are trying to pursue or a business you want to do or an idea you have inside of you, but you're like, I don't know if I'm quote unquote good enough 
to pursue that idea, you probably should go after it, right? Because it's outside your comfort zone. But you have to believe inside yourself that you're capable of more, you're worth more. Listen, we were created by the God of the universe, right? Who he created everything, right? He already knows your past. He is with you in your present and he has already seen your future. So why not trust him and just step out in faith? And that's what I would probably tell myself. That's good. Um, you, as you were talking, I thought about um, when I was playing semi-pro football, uh, we played this team in Louisiana. Humble brag, you know, hey, playing semi-pro football, no big deal. <laughs> no, well, I mean, so, so at the time, the, 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 team, the team that we played, they had been undefeated for three years in a row. And so when we traveled down there to play them, um, they beat us bad. I think the score was like 46 to 8. Like, they pummeled us. But they beat us with intimidation. They came out with the hoorah, rah, rah, and all this other stuff. And going a, a year later, and I think this was when me and Sophia had just thought, I had just asked her to be my girlfriend mm. at the time. And we went down to Louisiana to play the same team again. It was like, if we're going to get to the Super Bowl this year, we got to go through this team. Now, they were still undefeated. And my mindset in that moment was, like, they're not going to beat us with intimidation. Like, I, some people may think it was petty, but I didn't shake nobody's hand. Like, mm. I was in this mindset of, I'm knocking everybody's head off. And if your mama, your grandma come out here, your girlfriend, your, even your, your baby, <laughs> I'm knocking their head off too. Like, that, like, I love that was it. my mindset. Like, and for me, that was probably the best game I played in. We won 12 to 6 in overtime. Mm. But for for five quarters, because, you know, in, the, in this playoff time, there's no, you know, um, you play the full quarter until someone scores. Okay. So we, we played five full quarters of a game, and we scored in the last couple of seconds. We won the game, but the entire time, I was knocking people's heads off. Like, <laughs> I was in, in the trenches, like, going at it, because I was reminded last year, like, we're not going to lose to this team. And then we went on and we played another team that was also undefeated for a couple of years. We beat them, same score, 12 to 6. And then we got in the Super Bowl, we played a team in Austin, and they, they beat us, but they knew to get the ball out their hand in three seconds. Like, we couldn't even get to the quarterback. So, but it that, that whole process was, like, if people can use intimidation or, let's say, fear to tell you that you can't do something, why not, like, nah, I'm not, fear is not going to defeat me. Yeah. Um, and I, I shared a quote years ago that said, um, the will of God will not take you whether peace of me, whether not the peace. Yeah. The peace of God won't protect you. Right. So if God's, if it's God's will for you, his peace will pr protect you, provide you wherever it is you need. That's um, right. Rashid, question, <laughs> not to put you on the spot. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to say, how can I form this question? So, I mean, obviously you guys are single. So, I guess when it comes, <laughs> not, not, not putting them in a bad light. Not putting them in a bad light. So, I guess in relationships, what are you looking for in a wife? Wow, that was a different direction. I had a whole <laughs> thing I wanted to say to my younger self. But, uh, <laughs> but now I'm going <laughs> to go a different right. direction with that. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, though, because I had my uh, my four main things I was looking for back in the day and um, and I adjusted it over the years, right? But I remember early 20s just being on fire for the Lord and I was just like, man, if I can find someone that 
yeah, obviously that I'm attracted to. Um, there's something called I would always call it the click. Something you just it just connects, you know, with that person. Then someone else who wants to impact others, like I can, you know, have a team with, right? Like it could be me and her, right? And um, and then obviously that they would love the Lord more than they would love me. And uh, I always thought the fourth thing would be the easiest thing to find people who love Jesus, because to me, it makes sense. Um, If you're a Christian, (laughs) you should probably love Jesus. Simple. Um, But but the other things were a little bit easier to find, and uh, loving God was something that was uh, a little harder. And and it was interesting, like, I, I see it all the time, where it's easier to lower your standards and or re, I've listen. I've read all the relationship books and all those things. And uh, at the end of the day, um, it's about you and Jesus. And um, you know you have to know that Philippians uh, four nineteen is real, and it's it's not normally talked about in a relationship standpoint. And I get it; the context is more in the financial realm, but um, which is that God shall supply all your need according to your riches and glory, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so understanding that, okay, um, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I'm single too, like when's this going to happen? Do I need to change some things or standards, whatever? Uh, I've learned that um, to keep the standards high, keep them the way that the Lord's directed you. Um, but those standards aren't because you're better than anyone else. Um, they are guardrails for your destiny. And those standards are meant to come alongside what God's called you to really be and do and accomplish. Uh, that's just what I really believe. And, um, and so now we're kind of back to that of like, okay, uh, making sure someone's there who loves the Lord, um, you know, more than they love me. And so that's, those are, those, that's the main thing that we're looking for. Everything else you can kind of figure out, you know. I, I feel that some people say that when it comes to... Um, Hey, uh, when it comes to um, the, uh, um, you know, when it comes to relationships and everything too, people want to make sure that, uh, will they get along with their spouse? And, and listen, if you read a couple good people skill books and you have a heart to serve others, like that stuff will come, right? And um, you can always develop and grow into that, right? And, um, but I, I look at the family you have, Daydream, your kids and your wife, like, it's just, it's so awesome. You know, they love you so much and it's, it's so precious. And, but you can feel the love of Jesus in all of it, uh, which is really cool. So that's, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. I, I'm going to piggyback on the standards part. So a couple of things. So for me, when I was, you know, wanting a wife and getting relationships, one of the things was for me at first, not going to be transparent, was I didn't want a woman that had children already because mm. I didn't have any and so that was the that was the, that was the thing, and you know so so for me I give my mind was yeah she got to she got to know God know who Jesus is right she got to be able to cook <laughs> no seriously like, if she can't cook mm, Amen. like I, I like to eat so come on Jesus right. and, and for me it's not that I can't cook right I can cook it's just I want somebody who can cook to where it's like. Okay, I can take over sometimes to cook, but I rather I rather eat your cooking. It's amazing. And so, and so um, I believe a woman, or maybe even a guy, told me this was um, you know you, you never know you may be blocking your blessing from a woman who right. has a child. And so, mm. 
here it is. I meet my wife on online, you know, through eHarmony. And she has a child. And it was just like, all right, God, if this is what it is, you know. And it ended up, you know, marrying her. And she's phenomenal. Not only can she cook, she can bake too. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, so, I, so I, I got the best of both worlds. It is. That, that's God's best right, right. there. <laughs> Heaven sent, you know, literally. <laughs> so, um, you know, thinking about relationships, yeah. Um, they used to have T-shirts at our church that says, never apologize for having standards. Mm. Um, I think more men should have standards. Amen. Because, you know, women, yeah, they have standards too. But as men, because as, we are called to be leaders, we are called to lead the family. We are the head of the household, regardless if we are married, single or not. You're, the, you're called to be the head of the household. So men having standards sets the tone for any woman that tries to come in to try to break those standards. And so, you know, just being able to understand that, like, hey, y'all's time is coming. Y'all's time is coming. Amen. And, you know, how you lead now is going to definitely be beneficial for how you lead with a wife, with children. Um, is it, Do I do it perfectly? No. No, I mess up a lot. I am a master of mistakes. However, the willingness to want to get it right is what make what makes me um, keep striving to be better. Yeah, you know, can, can I add something to that real quick yeah. uh, with, with the standards thing? I know sometimes people have their list of a hundred things, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's their standard. They have to have a certain color eyes or all all these other things, and uh, and I think there's a difference between a desire and a want. Versus maybe a biblical standard, you know, and, and, and I believe that as we're all developing our relationship with the Lord, like he will give you those biblical standards, those things that not to compromise on um, because someone else can have all the other things. But what if they're not a believer? What if they're, you know, not of the same type of value system as you, but they're checking off all the other boxes? And so I think that getting um, a picture of, a, of what it biblical wife could look like um spouse that would matter so i'll even add this too so um and my wife may mention this to me as well um purity is only taught to girls and mm. i think that's unfair um to it just only be limited to them when boys need to remain pure too um you know i've, I've shared with people all the time is saying as far as like when it comes to men women well when it comes to women men will only do what you allow him to do but if you have that standard set, yeah, they may call you ugly, they may call you stupid or whatever, but they're only doing that because they got rejected. But, you know, um, you hear the stories on how I know um, at my old church I used to go to, that um, these, um, the pastor's wife, she used to say, I want a man that's, you know, 6'6", six, six, you know, with a six-pack, <laughs> you know, like all of this stuff, I have a six-figure, and, you know, um, an uh, older lady told her, baby, you don't know what you're praying for. Because you may get all of that, but you may he may be abusive. He may mm. do this. Wow. He may drink yeah. alcohol and all this other stuff. And I related to the 666. Wow. Right. You're like, you get a 666. It's okay if you're 5'7". Right. Shout out to 5'7". Right. No, but but I mean, it's a lot of things that have to be taught because... You know, a lot of times in the in homes, you know, there's only one parent, and it's generally the mom raising the children. That's an unfair. I believe I've always had a heart for single um, single parent, well, Ooh. single mothers, I should say, single dads. You'll figure it out, because you know. Now I will say this: I don't 
you know, not trying to offend anybody. Um, but, you know, if it's a single parent because she lost her husband due to combat or illness, like stuff like that, that's different. But if you're out in them streets, um, hey, I, I, I feel a little remorse because the guy should have control. I, I do. I do. Black, I, so I always blame the guy in the situation because you created the child. You know, your CE created, put on whether it's good or bad soil, um, created this child, and now you don't want to take care of it because of the responsibilities that come with it. Yeah. Um, the pastor's son at our church, Jerry, he talked about men want to want want to go through the baby making process, but they don't want the baby responsibility um, process. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, Ooh, that that hit deep, but it make a lot of sense. Right. So you know when when you when you deal with well, well, when you see women who are single um, with children or whatever, the question is, where are the men at? Where's where's the father mm-hmm. at? And I'm, I'm I can honestly say I'm fortunate enough that I don't have any issues with um, Julina's dad, which is which is good um, because you know even when you get in a relationship, let's just say God says, hey, I want you to marry this woman, like like um, Hosea told told what well, God told Hosea. To marry Gomer, mm-hmm. even though she was a prostitute, like I don't, I want to speak that on you guys, right? I don't want to speak that to <laughs> you guys. No, Lord, don't give him that. Right? But, Please no, Gomer I, <laughs> Right? I did not receive that. Right, but you know, <laughs> Gomer no. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. But if God, you know, brings a woman who has a child. You know, God forbid, I have to deal with a situation where you have to deal with the father who all of a sudden wants to be in the picture. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Meet the Browns the movie, you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, that situation. He's going to be a star basketball player all of a sudden. You want to be in his life. Like, yeah, I'm like, uh, bro, where you been at? <laughs> Type of thing. <So. laughs> all right, so, uh, Josh, question. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try not to go to left field. <laughs> so, um, so, Gomer. Yeah, right, so, Gomer. <laughs> No, um, so, oh, well, I mean, cause since you're the baby brother, let me ask you this. So, what was it like learning or unlearning some of the things that uh, Rashid did growing up? Uh, are we still talking the same topic and that topic, or you mean in general? In general. Okay. In general. <laughs> if, you, um, if you want to add the relationship side, too, that's cool, too. Got it, got it. Well, just, just because you went so deep, it's hard for me to pull out of the, you know, to get... So I'll say I'll answer your question, but just to touch on what you were saying before, I think it is important that, you know, whether you're a woman or a man listening to this, that if you are in your singleness right now, uh, own that and you're not incomplete because you're single, you are still a full daughter or son who God loves. And God doesn't make halves he makes holes right he said behold i'm making all things new so you are complete when he is in your life you're not complete when your spouse is in your life you are complete when jesus enters your life you're not complete when you get married right i love the scripture where it says the two shall become one well it's, it doesn't say two halves become one Two holes become one, which is the miracle and the, the, the grace behind it, is you're not a, a walking around with this hole inside of you as a single person. 
you're walking around as an amazing son or daughter of the king, and you have the ability to impact your world. Now, when you meet that special person, right, and you feel like that's the person God has called you to be with, you're partnering up with them. Well, now it's two holes partnering up in unity together, and that's a powerful thing, right? It's, it's that powerful force just like, you know, you know, one horse can pull a thousand tons, but like two can pull like 15,000. Like it's not just double, like it's you plus your spouse plus God, it's infinite possibilities. But if you're single, you're not lacking anything and you're not insignificant in your singleness. You're still powerful and significant in your singleness. Um, I think when people feel like they're not whole, that's when they may, you know, want to give in to those temptations of not keeping that purity, right? Um, and I, I think it's, it's men and women typically see it from two different perspectives. Um, you know, men, I won't speak from the woman's perspective, even though I probably know what their perspective is, but from the men's perspective, there is this innate sometimes whether it was taught to them as kids or whether it was just kind of this subtext, it's like, all right, the more women you're with, the more manly you are. And that's actually the opposite. Because if you feel more of a man because you're giving away your value to so many different people, it's because you don't feel complete in yourself. So you're trying to find satisfaction in so many other different things. Um, I won't speak from the women's perspective, but what I'll say is, you know, like you had mentioned, purity isn't really taught that strong to the men, right? It's the opposite. It's like, you know, like what, what's your body count, right? And, and, and you know, the, the body count number for a woman is the bad number if it's high. The body count number for a man is good if it's high. And that's typically what the world standard is. You don't want to know my body count. I'm just going to be transparent. <laughs> right, right. You don't want to know. Right, right. I'm not going to mention it. Yeah, right. We're not, we're not talking numbers here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Numbers. We're not talking numbers. So, so I'll leave it at that, but just, just know that. It's <laughs> great. Just, just know that if you believe you have something of value, why just spread that out to the, to the streets? You know? Like, let's be disciplined and self-controlled. And I, and I feel like there's beauty in the waiting. There is uh, power in the waiting. And everything we do, we're responsible for. Right. Right? So. Yeah, I, I'll even add to that. Um, I've learned this too. Marriage only exposes what's going on in singleness. Mm. It, it doesn't cure it. It doesn't make it go, it doesn't go away. It only exposes it. So if, so that so that's why um, Pastor Son Jerry he talked about you know, you know if if whatever the issue is doesn't expose it then we wouldn't have you know adultery going on because lust doesn't doesn't become cured once you get married otherwise like you said otherwise there'll be no adultery going on in the world so it's like if you have anger issues and you haven't resolved them from whatever reason something in your marriage may trigger it that hey you're angry you're gonna blow up or do whatever the case may be. Um, right. And, yeah. And, and whatever you feed on grows. Right. Right. So what, what are you looking at? What are you watching? Who are you hanging around? 
you know, yeah, whatever you feed on grows. Yeah, and so. as you were talking, I, I thought about Proverbs 5 where it talks about men not giving themselves to outlandish women. I'm just paraphrasing. You know, give it to your wife in, in your young age or whatever. So every time I read Proverbs 5 or if I'm reading Song of Solomon, I'm texting my wife, like, hey, <laughs> let me I'm like let me blow your flower. That's what I'm <laughs> and, uh, there like, are kids around. Right. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry. Kids are listening. Kids are listening. Let, me, let me bring it down. P- PG <laughs> conversation. Right. No, but you know, it's it's like, you know, when people like people get married, right, and they think that, oh, it's this not saying that it's not wonderful, right? I'm not gonna say that. But they think that it, it they've reached or they they've arrived to a place that let's say people that are single haven't. Doesn't mean that they can't. It's just it, it doesn't change anything. Like marriage, you have to put the work in. Like after we said I do, probably the first couple of years of our marriage we had problems because we didn't know we didn't know how to be married. So it was it was a struggle, and I, I messed up. You know, I did most of the messing up because. I was trying to, I didn't know at the time. Well, I did kind of know. I was trying to be be married and single. Not not that I was going to a bunch of parties or anything like that. I love playing basketball. So at the time, I would usually go play three to four hours. I'm just playing ball. Can't do that when you got a wife and a child and a baby on the way. You got to cut it down to two hours or less than that. You know, yep. so it was an adjustment. But, you know, now, like, if I go play, Hey, I, I got a couple of games in me, and then I'm out. Right. You know, like, you can't play one more. Mm, do you want to fight with my wife? <laughs> like, and, and, you know, not that she would have a problem with it. It's It was more of a, like, look, I, I have to respect her enough to know that, hey, enough is enough. You, you've had your, your fun. Come home. And I'm, I, w- I would be the first to say, I never have a problem coming home. I want to come home with my wife. Right. She's awesome. She's phenomenal. Um, I love her for life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but during that time, I didn't, I didn't know how to be a husband. And then I had never seen a healthy marriage. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, even, even when uh, Robin was born, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I, I, to this day, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing the best that I can with what I have. And so um, I, I often tell guys a lot too, like, be careful where you plant your seeds because you may be planting on bad soil. Yeah. Because you, Yes, you know, men should have standards. They're supposed to have standards. But if you plant your seed because you think she's the one and she may not be the one, you don't think you're getting root and you get Jezebel. Right. So. Um, you think she's the one, right. but you the fifth one to her. Exactly. Right. You, yeah. You, you're not. You're not. Look, you're not. Um, you're not Boaz. You Samson. You know what I mean? Like you, you're being bamboozled type of thing. So, Yeah. <laughs> I believe we can go on and on just on, just just on that part alone. Um, but it's a it's one of the things where when you get married, and I know I believe it's gonna happen soon for both of you. Um, just know that hey, I made mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes too. But it's a learning. The great thing is about you two is that y'all have an example um, in your parents. Like they're in year forty, and they love they still love each other, and they show that love towards each other. Um, and I don't I don't know what happened like in y'all's childhood if they like I don't know if you've ever seen them argue or not but I can honestly say for me and Sophia we try not to argue in front of the children yeah you know not not that there's not a, a resolve in the process but 
we, you know, we don't want them to see us arguing because not to say that we're going to break up because some children think that if they argue, they're going to get a divorce. I'm like, no, that's not it. Sometimes you have to say what you need to say and you're passionate about it. That's, mm. a, that's the word I'm like, <laughs> You're passionate about it. And so when you're passionate about what you need to say, you get it out and apologize. That's the, that's the main thing, apologize. Even, even when you're right, babe, I'm sorry. My <laughs> that's right. So um, this last question, um, what is next for you all? I'll, I'll, I'll let Rashid go first. <laughs> That was great. What I mean was next, meaning like, um, is there anything new or is there something that that you're working on, like a project or anything like that? Like, that's what I mean. Like, what's new going on? Yeah, definitely. Um, and these are all great questions, man. Um, so, yeah, we just uh, opened up an, a couple new business projects uh, down in Florida and um, over in Utah and, um, you know, just uh, continuing to grow um, right now, looking internationally and uh, looking at... Uh, doing some business over in Italy soon, and uh, which is a win-win for me because um, then I can uh, go to Italy, do business, and also eat amazing food. So that's uh, that's always the dream. Uh, on the other side of it is continuing to grow in ministry, um, in uh, just communicating the love of God, and some doors that are opening up there. Um, continuing to grow in Bible studies, and um, you know, just helping people see the Word and meet Jesus in, in a major way. Um, actually my old high school just reached out to me and, uh, I just got in, in, inducted onto their board. And, um, so really helping with the vision of my old high school, my, my high school was a, a, a small Christian school in South Jersey. And, um, you know, I don't have any kids myself right now, but, uh, I said yes to it because I see the warfare that's happening right now, um, on the next generation. And so, um, really seeing what I can do. Uh, to be a part of the solution and um, and just continuing to think about that as well as just other things in the community. We've always been big on uh, projects in the, in the community, nonprofit works, and, and um, just seeing how we can be a blessing, you know, to others. So it's, um, it's awesome. That's good. That's really good. Great. And just to kind of piggyback off that too, you know, we really saw that there is a, a need right now where people – uh, they want to do more with their life. They want to start businesses. They just don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. Um, you know, it might be resources they need. It might be help and mentorship that they need. And so uh, we're really focused right now on uh, training and raising up the next generation of entrepreneurs, world changers, uh, people that are visionaries, people that have ideas and dreams and passions, and they're willing to work hard. Just They just don't know what to do. They don't know what their, know what their next step is. And so we're really, um, you know, partnering with people and, and all over the country uh, to train them and raise them up so that they don't feel limited, um, that they feel empowered to actually pursue their God-given talents and abilities and dreams uh, through entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, we've been really, uh, with the right select people, we've been opening doors for them to, to really, um, you know, go after those dreams. And, um, you know, some other products that we're working on is, um, you know, we're putting out some uh, prophetic poetry uh, with music. Um, and so, you know, we're uh, releasing a new album uh, under uh, Spoken Legacy. 
music and uh, Spoken Legacy is all about, um, you know, giving hope to other people and bringing the message of the gospel, um, but uh, presenting it in a way that um, is kind of like uh, like reviving some of the psalms, right? Just imagine like music to psalms. And so it's music set to poetry that is uplifting and encouraging. And so we hope that blesses people as well. Good. Great stuff. Um, yeah, I will give what I'm working on. Uh, so I'm in the process of writing two books. One of the story about my life and the other book is all relationships. So Rashid, you haven't read all books yet. This one's gonna be good. This, <laughs> gonna, be, this is gonna be a mind this is gonna be a mind blower. Um but I've been kind of like throwing out quotes, I won't give the title because I don't want nobody to steal my title. But I I'll tell you all um off off the um set. Um but yeah, just working on two books. Um Julina gave me an idea for the book. Cause you know, in the relationships there are a lot of things that we deal with that we go through. And how, and how you manage them determines how it flourishes. Um, you know, you can't plant bad seeds and expect good fruit to come out of it. But if you plant good seeds, good fruit will come out of it. And so I know that this relationship book is definitely going to help people. Um, people who, who find the value in themselves. I was listening to a song by Lecrae that said, if you don't know God, then you don't know your value or you don't know your mm-hmm. worth. And I'm just like, did yeah. he just really say that? Yep, that's what he said. Cause and, and it's true. It's like if you don't know who God is and you then you really don't know your worth. Meaning you don't you don't know how much, you know, you're valued by God. And so, you know, my goal is to say if you love God, you know, you'll be able to love people. You know, you, you can't love people and not love God. So, um that's that's, I love that. that's pretty phenomenal. So, um that's all I got. Look, I thank for everybody who had the opportunity to listen. Um I didn't play no music today because we just want to just dive in, just go, go straight to to some topics to just to hear their mindset, hear their heart. The, these two guys are some real genuine brothers, and I'm glad to be a part of their team. Um, until next time, you know, love God, love people, and if you love God like you say you do, you'll love His people too. Till next time, peace.